0: Time once again for second helping, the top choice among podcasts for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics. That league, of course, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247Sports.com network, alongside my great friend Brent Beard, college football analyst, longtime college football analyst, most recently. First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent, also a voter in the race for the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, last we spoke, pre-New Year's Day, so uh, certainly hope you sprung into (laughs) 2022 in fine fashion, Brent.
1: Yes, doing well. Good to be with you, as always, as we uh, wind up the season, which is just hard to believe, but a lot to cover, and and, uh, certainly... Uh, Not only the national championship game going on, but big meeting of the uh, commissioners this weekend, not saying anything's going to come out of it. But they will discuss expanding the playoffs again. Uh, And in the midst of that, Trav, coaches coming and players going uh, uh, on both sides. So uh, plenty to discuss today.
0: Free agency now for both coaches and players. So it's... uh, And it's really the wild, wild west. It is. You're seeing it in recruiting, too, with the name, image, and likeness now. Right, right. You combine all these things with NIL and uh, the one-time transfer rule going into effect. And as you said, the coaching carousel that seems to never stop spinning. We'll have plenty to talk about. Really, in relation to games as we go back to the 30th of December, because those games were played after our most recent download here of the podcast so we'll get into some of those matchups involving SEC teams and I guess at a 10,000 foot view it's been a good bowl season for the anti- SEC sentiment amazing Brent that when the SEC goes nine and three in the bowl season we don't hear much from those folks no, no. let let SEC go maybe a game or two under 500 oh they come out see see the SEC really isn't great and it really isn't that that gorilla of a league
1: well, at uh, even uh, but I think they'll take 6 and 8 and have a national champion from Two teams the in league the championship. Oh, yeah, game. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would say that Trump's a 6 and 8 record.
0: Well, let's get into some of these games dating back to the 30th. First of all, a tremendous finish to a first season for Shane Beamer at South Carolina. As the Gamecocks, really, from start to finish there in Charlotte, control Mac Brown's Tar Heels of North Carolina. 38-21, very impressive performance for South Carolina. You could tell from the outset that they had taken the preparation very seriously. And, again, kudos, seven-win season for Shane Beamer in year one. Very disappointing finish for Mac Brown. And a North Carolina team that had big expectations going into the season.
1: Uh, Trav, do you think Shane has that mayonnaise out of his hair by now? <laughs> Oof.
0: I think he just about <laughs> got knocked out by the
1: cool. I think he did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but look, there's no doubt. I mean, again, a, a South Carolina team, uh, that beat Auburn, that beat Florida, uh, that beat North Carolina, their rival, and some South Carolina news: Our wide receiver Josh Van is returning to school for another year. Had 43 catches, 679 yards, and also looks like their edge defender uh, Jordan Stracken is also going to be coming back. Had 23 tackles. So uh, I, I know there's some others that, that are excited too, but uh, but but Trav. Uh, and we've seen, has South Carolina in, uh, maybe since Spurrier first came there, uh, I haven't seen the excitement like I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, we talk about efficiency at the quarterback position a lot of times. How about to carry on Joyner and Zeb Nolan combining to go 12 of 15 for 242 yards and two touchdowns. Both of the quarterbacks for South Carolina in the game with an emphasis on Joiner, nine of nine. For 160 and a touchdown. Both quarterbacks for South Carolina averaged north of 13 and a half yards per attempt. A big, big game from Kevin Harris, a guy you've talked a lot about That's right. on the podcast. That was kind of the guy we were expecting to see all sure. season long, wasn't it?
1: Uh, listen, he struggled the, the entire year. Imagine if he would have had, during the regular season, what he had in the bowl game, what would have been really exciting for uh, them during that time. And, and Trump, that's been the bugaboo there, has it not? Uh, they, they've been incredibly inconsistent at quarterback. They don't have a lot of playmakers. They can't score a lot of points, which is kind of the exact opposite of what Tennessee did uh, in the uh, in the first year for Josh Heupel, but South Carolina proves they can do it, which sets themselves up well for next season.
0: Yeah, and officially the South Carolina era, or maybe it's going to be an error, with Spencer Rattler gets underway yeah. at the yeah. quarterback position moving forward, talking about guys behind center. You're right, Tennessee, even in defeat against Purdue in the Music City Bowl, gave us one of the more, if not the most entertaining game Of the bowl season, unfortunately for the Vols, a promising campaign goes out with a defeat to Purdue. Jeff Brom's done a good job up there in West Lafayette. You wonder how long he's destined to be there. But 48-45, a game that goes to overtime, not without controversy from the Tennessee perspective. He had a goal line play there, subject to much consternation among Big Orange Nation. Uh, I get it, too, because... You know is ruled short of the goal line, short of the end zone, and it's a quick whistle by college football standards. Sure now, in the NFL, NFL, they'll blow it dead quick, right? Right. You know, forward progress, stop, things like that. Uh, college football officials typically let it turn into a scrum of sorts. They certainly let it play out in a lot of situations. They didn't in this particular instance for the balls.
1: Uh, because uh, in in the replay, a lot of talk about was his elbow over. Uh, the goal line at that point. But, yes, uh, regardless of that, uh, a very entertaining game, Trav. I thought one of the more entertaining games of the bowl season. And, again, I think Tennessee's got to be happy with Hendon Hooker coming back, Tillman coming back. Unfortunately, people haven't heard, and, and no real surprise, I don't think, Cade Mays, Trav, announced a yeah. day or so ago that he, he's going to the NFL.
0: Hendon Hooker's to-do list for the offseason, from what I've seen, Starts with sustaining as a passer Mm -hmm. through four quarters. Yes. It seems like he comes out and starts hot in games throwing the football, but as games progress, he comes apart a little bit at times. And so maintaining a high level of mechanics and keeping those type of things together, that's going to be. Certainly high on his to-do list going into the offseason, but absolutely a thriller in Nashville between the Boilers and the Balls. Not so much of a thriller in Arlington, Texas on New Year's Eve as the Alabama Crimson Tide sort of retro-Bama in taking <laughs> care of the Bearcats of Cincinnati in one of those college football playoff semifinal games from last Friday. Alabama 27, Cincinnati 6, just the way Paul William Bear Bryant would have liked it.
1: Uh, and, think, and
0: Gene stalling. Uh,
1: no question the, Here by they by Paris, be, Texas yeah. They would have been very, very comfortable with that But <laughs> but, but Bama taking advantage, Trav uh, Of that 3 uh, 3 Knowing that they could run the ball They were able to do that with uh, basically 300 yards or more uh, And uh, a, a healthy Brian Robinson, as you've written uh, Is quite a force, frankly And he showed up big uh, in a lot of the bigger games, by the way, Ole Miss ran a three-three-five, and Robinson ran all over them too in that one. So I think I think Bama took what was there. Uh, now give Cincinnati credit; they made Bryce Young uncomfortable. Would Georgia be able to do the same? But a, uh, I thought a very businesslike win for the Tide. In uh, the defense continues to improve. Uh, travel with guys like Dallas Hunter and Federian Mathis really developing. So uh, not, not not a not a team that had to score uh, 50 points in the game. They control it, control the clock and so forth. I I do give Cincinnati credit for being there, give them a lot of credit for their defense, but uh, too much running uh, all over them, and also the Bama defense continues, uh, I think, to show significant improvement.
0: They definitely do, and it does start with that front seven. You knew Cincinnati had to have some semblance of success, which are on Ford at the running back position. Also, Desmond Ritter is an extension of that in the run game. Saw more Ritter as a runner in the third quarter. But by that point, Alabama was pretty much dialed in defensively. You're right. Significant contributors throughout that defense where the pass rush is concerned. Dallas Turner now six and a half sacks on the season. All of those coming in the last six games. So he's been a revelation to go along with Will Anderson on the other side. Inside linebacker play continues to be solid with Henry Toa Toa. And Christian Harris, so one of those games that if you're an Alabama fan or an Alabama player only helps you in terms of confidence, even with the passing game, finishing sub 200 yards for the first time this season, Alabama dictated. That's the bottom line. It played really the kind of game Cincinnati wanted and still dominated pretty thoroughly in the matchup. Elsewhere in South Florida, later on New Year's Eve, you had the Georgia Bulldogs, and the Michigan Wolverine, styles make fights. We've said it many times here, stylistically, you liked, you loved this matchup for Georgia, considering how Michigan likes to play with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball, and that's pretty much how it played out, Brent.
1: Uh, and this game was over, basically at at halftime. Really impressive, Stenson Bennett, 16 of 21 for 234, spread the ball around to 9 different receivers during the game and so Bennett continues his uh, improvement but I think the thing to me that that really set the tone uh Trav was uh Aiden Hutchinson David Ojabo had zero sacks uh, certainly the Georgia offensive line centered in on them game uh, obviously over early. Michigan averaging 37 points a game held a three until a late garbage touchdown uh, that w- that went on and something we'll, we'll talk about as we preview the national championship game boy these these running backs for Georgia particularly James Cook could in some ways be just as good a receivers as they could be running backs but 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 one more time Trav that that we need to mention is. Um, uh, the the fact that Stenson Bennett is the starter and I frankly don't think uh, unless he gets hurt against Alabama that he comes out I, I think you something you called about a month ago we know who Kirby trusts we know who's going to play uh, and, and I think Bennett has deserved it Kirby and that staff love him and that's where they are
0: yeah we talk about Brock Bowers at the tight end position and understandably so. The guy has been tremendous as a true freshman, but you're right about James Cook. Four catches, 112 yards. Got explosive plays from multiple guys in that passing game, and I thought that was key for Georgia, especially from a psyche perspective, because they're going to need that on Monday night against Alabama. As we saw in the first matchup, just uh, Brock Bowers alone, even if he goes for 120 plus again, probably not going to be enough. You're going to have to get something from Jermaine Burton and Lad McConkey and maybe George Pickens. So uh, the diversity, the uh, uh, the, the, the streams of, of guys that were able to produce, I thought was uh, impressive for George in the game. Four different guys caught touchdown passes for the Bulldogs. And absolutely, from the Michigan perspective, if the game was going to be put on uh, the, the, the shoulders of the multiple quarterbacks, starting with Cade McNair, McNamara, that was going to be difficult. Hassan Haskin couldn't have a stat line of nine carries for 39 yards if Michigan was going to win. Uh, And that's exactly what happened down in South Florida. So we move into New Year's Day and you've got the SEC teams participating in the Florida Bowls, starting with Arkansas taking on Penn State in the Outback. And Penn State certainly made it interesting for a half, but boy, Arkansas came out of the break and just went to work, scoring 17 points in the third quarter on the Hogs' way to a 24-10 to 10 win and a nine-win season in year two uh, under Sam
1: Pittman. Uh, just an amazing performance by the Hogs, frankly, that they really exerted their will. Uh, and, and, Trav, how about this ratio for uh, for K.J. Jefferson, uh 14 of 19, I think they would love to have a game where he only had to throw 19 times. How about 361 yards rushing? They they really were able, with Dominic Johnson or Raheem Sanders, to basically do what they wanted to. Um, uh, and again, it wasn't easy, uh, but they just slowly were able to take over the game defensively uh, and, uh, uh, and frankly, in all phases. And, Trev, it was... It was 24-10, to but I'm not sure it was really, as you look at the game overall, was it really even that
0: close? Yeah, no Traylon Burks, no problem, as it turned out for the Hogs, because they sort of went Brett Bielema in the early days (laughs) during his tenure at Arkansas, when the Hogs really ran the football. KJ Jefferson was devastating in the run game, 20 carries 110 yards the only average 5.2 yards per pass attempt but again no Traylon Burke so that obviously plays into that as well but a tremendous season for the hogs at 9 and 4 uh big things perhaps on the horizon as the transfer portal looks to add to that roster especially from a playmaking perspective at the wide receiver position and uh boy that's a that's a great year too under Sam Pittman so let's talk about Orlando where Kentucky and your guy Wendell Robinson. That's right. Late, heroic in that win over the Hawkeyes of Iowa. 20 to 17, Kentucky gets the job done and we talk about big seasons relative to expectations for particular programs in the SEC. How about 10 and 3 for the Kentucky Wildcats?
1: Well, let me put that in perspective. From 1915 to 2017, they had two 10-win seasons. They've had two 10-win seasons, Trav, under Mark Stoops from 2018 to 2021. Wow. Wow.
0: A good good game for uh, Will Levis, 17-28, yes. Yes. 233 touchdown. He did have an interception. Our guy Christian Rodriguez, another 100-yard game as a Kentucky running back, 20 for 107 and a touchdown. But, man, Wondell Robinson, really the story. Ten catches, 170 yards had the big one late that really put Kentucky in position to win that
1: game. Uh, It did. My understanding is, uh, and you may have seen the same thing that he has decided to go to the NFL. What a, what an incredible season uh, that that he had. And, and and I've gotten a little bit of pushback because I've, I've uh, uh, mentioned that what Kentucky has done uh, as far as well, they really didn't play anybody. But look, when you've got, uh, when you're at Kentucky and you can win ten games in a season, to me that is monumental for that fan base. I know you've been up there. Uh, I know it was years ago in, in a game, and even then, uh, we, we know we know how much they love hoops. But you, you give them a good foot, football product, and they will come out and, and they will support it. They had a lot of fans at the game, and, and travel, uh, people may have missed this too. This was. As far as your non-New Year's Day, uh, this was one of the highest-rated bowl games on television of any of them.
0: Yeah, you're right. Made that trip up to then Commonwealth Stadium. I guess it's still Commonwealth Stadium to to folks. But Kroger Field these days in Lexington, back in 2009, and was going to the stadium to cover Alabama-Kentucky in 2009. And I see this line of people. They're lined up. And they're not lined up for the like Midnight Madness for the start of hoops practice in October. They're lined up to get tickets to go to Midnight Madness. It's still like a week away.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And these
0: folks are lined up for Midnight Madness tickets on a football game day at Kentucky. It has come that far. Kentucky's had some good seasons. Uh, Rich Brooks did some good things he sure did uh, at the helm. So as you've talked about here on the podcast in the recent past, but this is this is other level good when you win 10 games at Kentucky later in the evening down in New Orleans on New Year's night. The Ole Miss Rebels looking for their 11th win of the season ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw in that Dave Aranda defense. We had talked wow. about that group. JT Woods at the safety position for Baylor is phenomenal. I wish our it Jacksonville really Jaguars would spend <laughs> a draft pick on Mr. Woods. But really tough to see Matt Corral go out with the injury after deciding to play in the game and talk about a storyline for the bowl season, all the consternation about play versus opt-out. Corral decides to play, uh, goes out with an ankle injury. Luke Altmyer put into a pretty tough situation against that. Baylor defense, and as much as anything, that's what I credit. That's who I credit in this game is Baylor and the way that defense played.
1: Uh, Well, look, uh, Aranda, Trev, it's going to be interesting to where he ends up in a few years because – and he had a lot of people looking at him this year, uh, but uh, he had just done a fabulous job with that team. Trev, is is any team uh, had the turnover – that, that we're seeing with Ole Miss. Jeff Lebby Crazy. goes to Oklahoma. Charlie Weiss, Jr., now not senior, <laughs> uh, is coming in. That's going to be interesting. John Rice Plumley, who a lot of people thought might end up playing quarterback in the bowl game, uh, is in the transfer portal. And listen, he's a real athlete, dual threat uh, with baseball also. Chance Campbell not quite sure what's going to go on there uh, with his future. Jerron Ely is leaving early for the uh, uh, NFL. Uh, uh, but look, one of the one of the bigger questions, Trav, in this offseason is who is Lane going to get to be his future quarterback. But still, uh, in the midst of it, I know they want to win the game. That Sugar Bowl is very important. Uh, to to lane and that football team but they showed considerable improvement too so there's there's a pretty bright future in oxford right now
0: there is you're right though dj durkin it looks like uh making that move to texas a&m and you mentioned the and the quarterback situation being in flux i was surprised by plumley as much because of the baseball aspect of things yes and I'm not here to tell anybody, give anybody career advice. And I think there is a role that John Rice Plumley can fill uh in football, uh, whether it's a sort of an all purpose guy, if you get him in an offense, maybe like Gus Malzon's at Central Florida, uh, where the quarterback run and, and that part of it is big and what Gus does. Yeah, okay. Uh, but that surprised me more with Plumley from the the baseball side of things. So it'll be interesting to see where Plumley lands. But I'll tell you, boy, again, Baylor, Baylor looked like Alabama in the ninety-three Sugar Bowl against yeah. Miami in yeah, that definitely. pass for just 40 yards, you know? Pass for 40 yards in the game, Baylor did. Uh, but got big numbers on the ground, ran the football effectively, and just played with a physicality that we haven't associated with Big Twelve defensive football since maybe the days of Mike Singletary when yeah. he played middle linebacker. The Baylor Bears. So again, credit to Baylor. Happy to hear that Matt Corral's injury isn't serious or threatening to certainly his draft status. Um, and the Rebels in a pretty good place it looks like moving forward under Lane Kiffin. A bizarre game, the only way I know to describe it. Uh, a couple nights ago, and really the last bowl game involving SEC teams before Monday night's national championship matchup between Georgia and Alabama. LSU under 40 scholarship players for the meeting with kansas state in the texas bowl in houston and just from a coaching staff perspective you were talking about a skeletal crew left behind by ed orgeron and it went about the way you would expect i guess brent a motivated kansas state team took advantage of lsu situation you had john trey kirkland a wide receiver starting at quarterback guy threw three touchdown passes sure did (laughs) yeah he's got some memories from that but he does uh, just, just not literally, just not enough to so, be Kansas State.
1: Well, and I give them credit for wanting to play and being able to play. But, but I think the real headlines for LSU or, or the 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 staff that's coming in, Mike Denbrock from Cincinnati, uh, the offensive coordinator is coming in. Uh, also, uh, Louisiana Tech offensive coordinator Joe Sloan is going to be the quarterback coach uh, as. Uh, Brian Kelly slowly gets that staff together. Cordell Flaught, Trav, that junior quarterback, is going pro, uh, so they are obviously losing some guys, but they will certainly have talent there. But the, the thing, that I had to look two or three times to make sure I was reading it right. Uh, after that loss, Travis, LSU first losing record since 1999.
0: Wow, and that pretty much precipitated the arrival of Nicholas Lou (laughs) Sabin Jr. for Michigan State. And that was an end to that until this year. Anyway, pretty good run there. Um, Yeah, just not enough, literally, for LSU in the game. And I'm with you. I credit them for playing the game because, as we know, Texas A&M didn't bother to show up in Jacksonville for the Gator Bowl. So I actually give more credibility to LSU, who, by the way, also beat Texas A&M in the regular season. Uh, than I do uh, really anything else. So not the way you wanted to see it in for that group of departing players for LSU, but the Brian Kelly era is officially underway. Kelly's still trying to assemble his coaching staff, trying to retain guys like Keyshawn Butte, who it looks like he's been successful in doing that. Quarterback, another place where that's going to be a hot topic miles brennan deciding mm-hmm. to stay in baton rouge what does garrett nussmeyer do uh what how does that situation play out so a lot of intriguing questions still for brian kelly here in the days and weeks and months to come
1: uh yeah absolutely it will be in in uh Kelly interviewed during the game as a lot of these coaches who come on uh, are, uh, we know Billy Napier was at the Florida basketball game last night against Alabama. So uh, trying to get out, still recruiting, still getting staffs together. Uh, but, but the, uh, at the LSU situation, we will be one of the more, uh, I guess, mysteries that people will be talking about during the off season.
0: No doubt about it. And with that, brent it is time to look ahead to monday night lucas oil stadium 8:15 eastern kickoff a game that of course will air on espn a rematch of the southeastern conference championship game top-ranked alabama taking on third-ranked georgia and it looks like based on vegas and the public money to this point anyway the sentiment is all right alabama Show us you can do it twice as Georgia, <laughs> as we record, sits as a three point favorite over the Crimson Tide. Does that surprise you, Brent? Uh
1: maybe a little, but certainly uh I
0: I guess Trav, what I'm wondering
1: is by Monday night, does that three yeah. turn into a one?
0: The whales well, and the sharps come. Yes. In, the late bunny. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see this game being a lot closer to pick um at kickoff than it is because I believe also the latest trends have shown a lot of the money coming in on Alabama already uh, in sort of answer to this, to this early line. So we'll see how that goes, but you know, I get it too because in every game we've seen Georgia this season, other than Alabama, the dogs have just looked absolutely dominant. And sure. so if you just sort of look at these teams again, from 10,000 feet, you think, well, Georgia's the better team. Look at it on paper, but there's also something to be said about how teams match up mm-hmm. and strengths versus weaknesses, and I think in a lot of ways, Alabama feels very comfortable in a lot of those matchups. Brent, I don't know about you.
1: Uh, well, I, I think they feel comfortable, Trav, because uh, I think they, they've got the, uh, we bought and applauded Stenson Bennett, but they still have the better quarterback, uh, frankly, and they've still got the better coaching staff. I think that makes a big difference. And we have seen, as you've written, uh, about the improvement in this offensive line. They've tweaked yeah. that line. Uh, McLaughlin's done a really good job at center. Uh, we, we've seen a uh, a defense. Uh, well, we mentioned the front seven. But Trav has this secondary with guys like Brian Branch, who may have had the best game of his career, uh, Again, Cincinnati in the improvement that we have seen uh, in in that situation. So uh, I, I think I think some of that confidence from Alabama is shown from starting with the second half of that Auburn game, uh, how that they have made tweaks, changes, personnel scheme, and whatever that have made a huge
0: difference for them. Georgia offensively absolutely wants to play the game between the numbers. Yeah, They want to play the game in the middle of the field. And right now, defensively, that's where Alabama is playing some of its best football. So I think for Georgia offensively, it's going to be, can we get enough outside the numbers? Can we get enough from Ladd McConkey and Jermaine Burton and maybe George Pickens? Or even just in the quick game, when we swing it out to say, James Cook out of the backfield or we give it to Brock Bowers or James Cook on jet sweeps. Can we win enough on the perimeter? And in doing so, kind of have an extension of the run game that keeps Stetson Bennett from having to throw the football 40 plus times, which has been the common denominator in both of his losses to Alabama. He has thrown a combined 88 passes in two starts against Alabama. Five of those have been intercepted. A couple more probably should have been. Mm-hmm. So the balance that Georgia thrives upon offensively, and not just in terms of breaking it down from run-pass, but where Georgia likes to kind of stay balanced uh, in how it attacks the field in general, going to be key. And then for the Alabama offense, you know, can you get a replicate sort of performance in terms of Bryce Young staying upright, not just in terms of when Alabama does a good job in protection but how he also extends plays and how you compensate through that for the absence of uh, John Mechie. You know, if you can protect and keep Bryce Young alive on plays, uh, this Georgia secondary is still suspect and still uh, Alabama receiving court that is capable of putting up big numbers once again. I Again, for Alabama, I have concerns with John Mechie being out. Yes. Uh but if Georgia doesn't affect Bryce Young more than it did in the first go around, uh, it may not matter.
1: Well, and, and I think what goes along with with that conversation is do guys like Nolan Smith and the Colby Dean uh who who really Alabama did a tremendous job in the SEC Championship game, uh what what do those guys do? in order to get to Bryce Young. And, and again, Trev, my question is, and, and this has been asked all week long, uh, is that the weaknesses in that Georgia secondary, there's only so much you can do in the time allotted that they have got. Uh, so uh, I think that's going to be fascinating. Jacory uh, Brooks, who stepped up uh, and, and is really improving. Jalil Billingsley caught an important pass in the Cincinnati game. Uh when you when you've got uh Williams that's been double and triple teamed at times, who comes up big sleigh bowl and did a little bit. So uh l- listen, the the, the storylines in this situation as far as strategy and so forth uh, are, are almost endless going into Monday night.
0: You get the sense Alabama right now thinks anyway, it can win a game either way. You wanna yes. get into yes. sort of a grinder We can win that way. We showed that against teams like Ole Miss and Cincinnati this year. You want us to spread the field and work the middle of the field, especially on crossing routes, and then take the top off? Uh, We can do that as well, as they showed against Georgia in the first matchup. And you're right about the Georgia pass rush and how much it needs, specifically from its linebackers, uh, Channing Tindall, N'Kobe Dean. You mentioned uh, Nolan Smith. This is a guy that a couple years ago we were told was the number one overall prospect Absolutely. in the country. He's got to play like that on Monday night. And I'll continue to say, and it's sort of my answer to Alabama fans that talk about John Metchie not being available, which is a tough blow, no doubt about it. Georgia being without Adam Anderson yeah. as an edge pass rusher no continues to be big. So when we talk about absences for Monday night, you know, at the time of his departure due to legal issues, Adam Anderson led the Bulldogs in sacks and quarterback pressures. He's not there for Monday night, just like John Mechie won't be there for the Alabama Crimson Tide. How about an X factor or two? Maybe something that you'll be particularly interested in, Brent, as we wrap up and continue to look ahead to this Alabama-Georgia matchup. Uh,
1: well, I mentioned this a few minutes ago about georgia uh using the, the their running backs on wheel routes and so forth I, I'm I'm going to be very interested in how Alabama defends that uh, uh in uh, in the Michigan game eight catches for 141 yards uh Trav, that's a lot of yards for your running backs is it not so uh, how how is Alabama going to keep that from happening
0: yeah well the thing about Alabama is it can't say it doesn't know yeah because Jamie you're right' Cook- did that to Alabama in the 2020 meeting in Tuscaloosa when he got sure matched up on Christian Harris right. out wide. He is, again, we talked about it before, when James Cook gets split out wide, that's not because they're trying to get something else somewhere else. If you send a linebacker out there with James Cook, he'll run a go route Yep. and he'll catch it and it'll be a touchdown. So, yeah, I just think collectively for Alabama – Defensively, again, more so with an emphasis right up the middle of the field with those safeties, Demarco Helms and Jordan Battle, who were so good the first time around against Georgia. Brian Branch, who you mentioned, who has really played some great football, even against Georgia, Brian Branch was really good. Sometimes he got beat by a superior, uh, elite type talent in Brock Bowers, but you know Brian Branch competed, competed for four quarters in that game. He was great against Cincinnati. They need carryover performances from those three guys. And then when they're called upon, some of these corners that have been thrust into action for Alabama, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson, the health status of Jalen Armour Davis at that corner spot. Uh, Georgia is, again, going to need to get something out of the perimeter. And then for Alabama defensively, tackling is going to be huge because Brock Bowers showed you in the first go around. You can have three or four guys get a shot at him, and he can run through those guys, including a defensive tackle. And, and still produce explosive plays. So, again, familiarity between these teams. It's the, you can't say you didn't know bowl to me. Yeah, right, because right. really just about anything that happens in this game Monday night, uh, preparation uh, shouldn't be an issue for either of these teams.
1: And, and, and I'm curious how you've dealt with this this week, because I've been asked this two or three times, is is Nick Saban in Kirby's head uh, and my, my answer to that is, uh, is once the game begins, um, you're, you're, you're all business, you're dealing with what you need to be able to do, but where, where I think that comes into play trap is in, in the full of a question of that is, well, who has the most pressure? I and I've heard this from a, from a couple of folks, and I agree with it. That Georgia has the most pressure in this game. They do. Uh, they 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 have not they have not been able to get over the Alabama uh, uh, as far as that hurdle uh, with them. And and I, I don't. I don't so much think I would go at it as Nick Saban in Kirby's head as much as he's the one that provides the most pressure of anybody that Kirby competes against.
0: Well, I think as much as anything, too, Kirby's gotten out quarterbacked in yeah, this stretch. True. Very true. Think back to January of 2018, a future first-round pick, top-five pick, and Tua Tagovailoa comes off the bench and beats him. You go to later in that year, December of 2018, Jalen Hurts, comes off the bench, yes. replaces an injured Tua Tagovailoa. He is a starter now in the National Football League for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and and the, now look, Kirby, the fake punt call. We we, we could spend an entire podcast on that in that particular game, but a lot of it had to do with quarterback play. Mac Jones, um, you know, in in 2020, uh, doing what he did to the Dogs. Bryce Young is a future first round pick with a win over Georgia. So these last four games. That Kirby has dropped for Georgia. I think it's been it started at the quarterback position, but sort of tied into that mm-hmm. is composure. Yeah, because you saw a composed true freshman in Tua Iowa lead Alabama back. You saw a composed Jalen Hurts lead Alabama back off the bench. You saw Mac Jones weather an early rush, an early run by the Georgia Bulldogs in Tuscaloosa to get it done. Same thing for Bryce Young. Alabama falls behind ten nothing uh, in Atlanta go on a 38 seven run from there and essentially put the game away. So quarterback and composure, I think are two big things that have been on Alabama's side and with a healthy Brian Robinson, as we've talked about probably feels like going into this game that if it turns into that sort of just 17, 13 game uh, they can hang in there. So should be a lot of fun Monday night, Brent. It, it, re-
1: it will be. And, and uh, you know, the obviously special teams is going to be important. Uh, Both uh, both these kickers can certainly kick it in the end zone. Uh, I'll be curious what uh, Jamo Williams does as far as returns. Uh, Will will, will anybody have a a distinct advantage with that situation? Because in a game as close as we think it might be, a field goal can make a huge difference Monday night.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest difference in terms of specialists will be punting. Jake Camarda. Yes. He's outstanding for Georgia. He averaged 52 and a half against Alabama and Atlanta. James Burnett, the freshman for Alabama, uh, did a pretty solid job. He had a couple punts early in the game that really helped with field position, flipping the field. So he's going to need to be good in all likelihood, but yeah, typically Georgia you go back to Kevin Butler. Some of those yes, guys, yes. they always seem to have a, a good kicker and, uh, Jack, uh, Potalesny uh, for Georgia this year 20-25 uh, similar type numbers for Will Reichard mm-hmm. so yeah if you're either of these teams I think you feel pretty good about your place kicking situation anything else Brent before we get out of here
1: uh, Trav, uh, always uh, for our folks to keep your eye on this weekend the uh, the big meeting uh, for possibly expanding the playoffs not saying that they will come up with a decision that'd be nice to see uh, but I expect it probably to be delayed I think Oftentimes, when they meet, they don't want to uh, to, to overstage the game, uh, frankly. But 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 look, it's going to be uh, uh, very interesting in Indianapolis, five degrees at kickoff. <laughs> uh, Los, Los Angeles next year, Houston the year after that. So uh, back to uh, the
0: warm weather. Uh,
1: thankfully. Thankfully, uh, a, absolutely. But, but again, should the, the buildup for this will continue over the next few days uh, as we lead into Monday night.
0: Good stuff, as always, Brent. Always a lot of fun here on Second Helping. And if you haven't subscribed to Second Helping, you should do that right now. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. Just subscribe to the podcast. And that way, it's going to drop right into that smartphone of yours whenever we drop Second Helping. You're going to get that instantaneously for your listening pleasure. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. Have a great weekend, everybody.